All right, so we are um, continuing in our series called Disciple, asking this question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Uh, in particular, for us today, not just looking at what it was like and learning from the disciples as they were around Jesus in the early church, but also 2,000 years later for us who are still claiming to be followers of the resurrected Jesus. Um, and so this week we're going to look at prayer. Next week we're going to look at the Scriptures, reading your Bible. Um, but they are so connected. That, you know, much, some of today might bleed into reading the Bible, and some of uh, um, next week might bleed into prayer as we look at reading the Scriptures. Because actually, you know that old... Sunday school song. You know, I went on YouTube just to make sure I, I'm remembering correctly. Uh, it goes something like this. Read your Bible and pray every day. Pray every day. There's where the melody escapes me a little. Read your Bible and you will grow. grow. I don't know what you wanted to say. I don't know, the game with an F, but yeah. No, it's, it's grow. And you will grow Grow, grow. Okay, so because this is the basic building blocks of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus today. Of course, when the disciples walked with Jesus, he was the Word of God made flesh, yeah? But um, they, you know, Jesus himself oozed and bled the scriptures, he prayed the scriptures, and, uh, and, and from then onwards, through the Holy Spirit, penned some of the scriptures for us. And, and, and Jesus is still being revealed through his word and meets with us as we pray. Because that second verse of that song, do you know how that goes? It's very complicated. There's actually a second verse. We used to sing it. Maybe you didn't sing it in your church. Maybe your church was hyper grace, you know, super grace. Just, but we, you know, I remember uh, singing, don't read your Bible and pray every day and you will shrink, shrink, shrink. I'm telling you. That exists. And I googled it. There's some YouTube clips with verse 2 in there as well. Not so many. You will find them, though. It's in the dark web, okay? It's in the, that's where you find that one. Because as I said, to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to grow in your faith, you've got to spend time with the Lord. And, and, and the primary means that we do that is by cracking open the Scriptures and by praying and by, and by, and by spending time in prayer. And this is why we have this tool called Seeing Jesus Together. We ordered a whole bunch for this year. They're still, they're still available to order. They're only 20 bucks. And in community, because we hold each other accountable, many of us in groups of three to five are reading the Scriptures every day together. But even before so, there's a moment for us to stop and to be quiet and to pray and to allow the Lord to connect with us through our emotions, like what are we feeling? Why are we feeling that? And then we bring that to the Lord in prayer. And then we crack open the Bible and we read and, and God meets us in that place that we find ourselves at. And then we get to share that with others. We get to take His Word uh, with us into that day. And we are encouraged when we hear from others that we're reading alongside with what God has said to them. And the bread that God gives them, the daily bread, the manna that God gives them, sometimes feeds us as we hear from them. And so this is a tool. I want to encourage you, seeing Jesus together. This is one of our primary discipleship tools in terms of reading the Scriptures and prayer. It will help you to do both. Because if you read your Bible and pray every day, you will grow, grow. 
And if you don't read your Bible and pray every day, you will. You know, and I know this is a kid's song and it seems incredibly rudimentary, okay, maybe condescending even. But as I have, you know, nearly 20 years of pastoring, the problem is, is that grown-ups don't sing this song in, anymore. And so often when, I, when we counsel, when we walk with people and they're like, I'm so dry and I don't know where God is and I feel like I'm not growing, you just ask them, do you read your Bible and pray every day? And they go, no, no, no. And I'm like, if you don't do that, you won't grow, grow, grow. I mean, amen, let's go home. It's as simple as that, people. Okay, I got a bit more to say. I got a bit more to say. You know, when we spend time with the Lord in prayer and we use the scriptures to springboard us into speaking with Him and praising Him, I liken it often to the way my wife and I communicate because that's what prayer is. Prayer is talking with God. It's speaking with God. It's asking of God. It's receiving. It's hearing from God. So it's communication. It's a two-way street. And every now and then, Tan and I miss each other. Like when we speak, we just, there's a disconnect there, okay? Two, two main reasons. Sometimes Tanya uses the wrong words, okay? She just doesn't use the right words, and so it's all I've got to work with, okay? But not always. Oftentimes, she uses them. Her words are fine. She's explaining herself adequately, but I interpret them incorrectly. Can I get an amen here? Husbands, just a couple of you, please just, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, and the reason is I'm in that moment, I'm actually hearing... What she is not saying, her words are adequate, but I'm, I'm hearing it differently. Why? Because there's an emotional distance sometimes. You know, like we haven't resolved something, or I think there's a niggle. And, and so I, I, I put those lenses on, and I interpret what she's saying through this emotional distance disconnect. I question her motives. Sometimes I'm secure, uh, insecure. It's not about wondering what her motives are like, but I'm just like, I don't know where I'm, I'm at right now, like... And so I interpret what she says incorrectly, even though she's using the right words. And I think when we spend time with God regularly, read your Bible and pray every day, what happens is actually we, it prevents this relational breakdown from taking place in our relationship with God. Because we want to hear the right words, what God is saying. We don't want to just crack open the Bible once a month and go, oh, this is nice, and then apply that. And actually, that's not really what God's saying because it's out of context. If you just read a little more of the Bible, you'll realize, oh, you're using that verse inappropriately. But also experience God's heart. That when we read sometimes even difficult things in the Scriptures, we don't go, oh, God, it seems so harsh. No, but if you spend time with Him in prayer and spend time in His Word, you actually don't misinterpret Him. You experience His heart, His motives, His good, His loving, and you hear His words all of his words, and yet there's no relational breakdown. Does that make any sense? Okay, let's move on to another thing I want to say. In Revelation chapter 5 and in Revelation chapter 8, John, the disciple, Jesus loved, he was super close to Jesus. He has a vision of, of what the heavens are like, you know, the throne room of God. And it's amazing in those two passages, it tells us, that around God's throne or in heaven somehow gathered in bowls of incense are our prayers. They are likened to these bowls of incense, the prayers that we pray. In other words, what you say and what you pray to the Lord and with the Lord here on earth, I want you to hear this. It is kept. It is meaningful. In other words, there is no prayer. If you are in Jesus, you know the Father hears you. 
So in other words, if you're a Christian, there is no throwaway prayer or prayer you go like, oh, I don't think God heard me on that one. You know, maybe I need to like be a better person because if I'm a better person, maybe God will, then, then you don't believe the gospel. If you're in Christ, who is the best person, who made a way for you to be in a relationship, an unhindered relationship with the Father, then whatever you say and whatever you pray as a believer, it goes into a bowl. <laughs> and, it's, and it smells good. And the Lord, it's, it's with Him. It's not wasted. You think about some things, you, you can't take much with you after you die. In fact, that's, that's an inaccurate, sorry, I'm sorry, you can't, can't take anything with you when you die. But we do know you can take people. And clearly you can take prayers. <laughs> so, this, this thing of praying, it, it matters to God. It matters to Him. It matters to Him in one way. Prayer is the way that God wants to accomplish His sovereign will. So here at City Gates, we believe God is sovereign. It's a fancy word for He reigns over all. He's sovereign over, reigning over everything. He's in charge. As some theologians say, there's not a square inch in the universe that Jesus doesn't say, that's mine. Like, that, that, that's how we believe he's fully in charge. Nothing happens uh, because he missed it. It's because he willed it, he allowed it. He's working out his sovereign plan for the universe. But the way he does that, because when we can hear that, we can go, oh, okay, well, what's the point of praying? <laughs> what is the point of praying if God gets what he wants and he's almighty, nothing will stop him? Why should I ask him for anything? Because in his sovereign will, in his way, in his wisdom, he has chosen to use your prayers to accomplish his mighty works. That's how secure God is. He's going to put, he's going to use your prayers as his tool to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. It's quite profound. So, so it means two things. It means, number one, it doesn't need your prayer. And number two, it means it needs your prayer. Okay. You, you ask, which one is it? Yes. God is in his sovereign wisdom has chosen to accomplish his mighty will through your obedience, through your prayers. Your prayers are the tools he wields to, to do what he wants to get done. So again, it's not a reason for us to go, oh, God's sovereign, I don't have to do anything. He wants to do that sovereign thing through you. And you know, that's sometimes why I think prayer is tough for us. Because when we are praying, we are doing nothing. And human beings don't like doing nothing. That's why they're so attracted to religion. Because religion says, do this, do that, and God will love you. And the gospel says, no, you can do that until you're blue in the face. It's not enough because God is too holy for you to meet up with his standards. In fact, he's done it all. He's asking you to accept all that he has done and relinquish and, and let go of what you think you should do and just surrender to what he's done for you. It, it means resting. And, and prayer is resting. Prayer is literally just saying, Lord, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to trust. And so we struggle to pray because in doing nothing, we feel like nothing will get done. But in doing nothing and just praying, we are declaring God will get it done. Does that make sense? Prayer is an incredible faith statement. When we pray, we must stop. And when we stop, God begins. It's when we stop to pray that we start to fret and make things happen. And then we're like, why is nothing happening? Because we have actually said to God, so okay, I know you're a sovereign and almighty and everything, but I got this. But when we pray, we say, no, you've got this. 
And Jesus modeled this for us, okay? So if we are disciples of Jesus, that's what this series is about. Let's just look at a few things. I'm not going to have these verses up on the screen, so if you're taking notes, I'll throw the references out to you. You can check it out at home, okay? But Jesus modeled this himself. He prayed alone in desolate places. When you read the Gospels, it's, you, it's easy to miss these because often little chapters or paragraphs are just quickly introduced. And we love the stories that happen, the healings and the miracles and, and walking on water and all of these. Those are the things we remember. But often those chapters begin with, and Jesus prayed all night or he came back from having prayed. So you can look at this in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Luke chapter 5, 16, Luke 9, 18, Matthew 14, 23. Mark 6.46, this is being recorded. Finally, we had a little bit of an issue. Uh, that's why I wasn't here during the singing time, because uh, we were trying to figure that out. But thank the Lord, the, the four people that are tuning in online can hear the audio now as well. And so can you, if you go back to it. So he prayed alone in desolate places. Jesus prayed early in the mornings. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Jesus prayed all through the night. Luke chapter 6. 12 to 13, Jesus prayed before miracles. You can see that before the feeding of the thousands, you know, 4,000, 5,000. He prayed before healings. He prayed before he resurrected Lazarus. He prayed for individuals. He told Peter, hey, I've prayed for you that, you know, Satan wouldn't sift you. And he, he prayed for children when they were brought to him. And Jesus even prayed for us in John 17, the great high priestly prayer. He prayed for us. Jesus prayed when he was in agony in the garden of Gethsemane. When he, he prayed when he was you know, fasting in, in the desert. Jesus prayed when he was being tortured and when he was hanging on that cross. Jesus prayed before he made big decisions, you know, before he chose the 12 apostles that ultimately kicked off the church as they were filled by the Spirit. Jesus prayed and prayed and prayed. And Jesus, the Bible says, is still praying for you and me today. He still intercedes for us. Right, so... We pray because we follow Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Every day, he prayed, prayed, prayed. And because of this obvious trait, I can see why the disciples went to Jesus for some tips. So we're going to read Jesus' instruction on prayer in Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 4, and then in Matthew chapter 6. It's where he spits out that amazing verse, the Lord's Prayer. So Luke 11, let me read that first, if I can find it here on my Bible. Luke 11, verse 1 to 4. Again, it starts off, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. There it is. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. It's a bit of a summary version. Matthew, Matthew in chapter 6 takes it a little further. I'll give you some context as well. We're going to read from verse 5 and then all the way down to 13. This is uh, Matthew's gospel. Chapter 6, did I say another chapter? My bad. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 5. And when you pray, 
you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. Lord, as we uh, look at your teachings on prayer, Lord, would you help us? Holy Spirit, would you help me as I teach this? Um, help us to be a praying people that when we walk out of here, actually this habit looks different in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray. They didn't actually ask, teach us how to pray. They, 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 they were asking about the discipline of prayer. Remember, in one passage we read here, it says, when Jesus came back from praying. So this was like, they were like seeing Jesus in action. Like, man, th this is incredible, this discipline that our Lord has. And they, th that's why they leaned in and said, Lord, teach us to pray. They wanted to pray like D Jesus, but they weren't asking for directions. They're like, give us a, a rhyme. Can, can you give us a formula? Can you give us a little something to say? No, they were like, no, could you teach us this, this philosophy, this value of prayer? In other words, they, they weren't saying, Lord, please teach us um, how to aim. They were saying, just teach us how to shoot. Like, this, like, like aiming is no point if I don't know how to, how to use this. I, I want to know how to pray. Because actually everybody prays. I, I mean, up until that stage, they probably felt inadequate in terms of how they prayed. Because I don't even think you, I mean, I know for a fact you don't need to be a Christian to pray. Lots of people pray. Religious people from other faiths all the way to atheists. You know, you, you, you read these stories of people who don't believe there's a God, but then when they're in big trouble, they just, they're like, well, maybe I was wrong. In this moment, I'm just going to throw out a quick request into the universe. Everybody prays. Even in, in, in what we read here in uh, Matthew chapter 6, God says, that, don't pray like the Gentiles. Jesus said, don't pray like the Gentiles because everybody prays all around us. How many times do you hear, oh, my God, from people? That's a little prayer. You know, whether it's a, oh, my God, or like, a, oh, my God, happy, sad. There's, there's praying happening, but it's obviously misguided. Everybody prays. Pete Gregg, he wrote this book, and I'll talk a little bit more about this book, this resource. Um, in there, he just talks about sort of the scientific findings as sociologists have studied humanity. And, and he says, based on that, his conclusion is to be human is to pray. There's something in us that aims at our creator that wants to converse with him. You know, I spoke with a believer um, a while ago about their prayer life, and they confessed. They said, you know, my prayer life isn't that great. But what they were not referring to is not the sort of pray through my day kind of stuff. They said, I just want to make it clear. Like, I pray every day. And so often we think, oh, no, no, I'm a, I'm a person of prayer. Yeah, you know, I'm driving from one meeting to the next, and I'm like, oh, Lord, please, uh, this, and he, you know, pray before you eat. It's like three times a day, maybe. And, and he's like, look, when I say my prayer life is horrible, I'm not referring to the thing that we actually all do. 
you know, we're in a bit of a pickle and when we pray or, you know, something happens and we're like, oh, Lord, thank you so much. Or our mind wanders and we bring God into that. He's talking about that discipline of shutting your door in your room and meeting with the Father. This is what Jesus, before he taught them how to pray, he actually taught them kind of where to pray in a sense. He's, this value of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to go into your room to close the door. That's just you and the Lord. And, and, and spend time with the Father there. That's the bit that I think we all struggle with. Everybody prays some, in some form or another, but doing this discipline of withdrawing like Jesus to desolate places, sometimes on mountaintops, on hills, through the night, without people, that's what I want to touch on. You know, I, I remember when we preached a, a series of, uh, on prayer a couple of years ago. Toby was still with us. He was, still, he was working in the office, and we both were preparing uh, for the sermon series, and, and um, we wanted to get this ebook on prayer. But in order to get this ebook, we had to fill in a survey on our personal <laughs> prayer lives. And we both afterwards came to each other and like, man, I was really convicted about that. Like I had to answer all these questions about, you know, me, a minister, a pastor, wanting to get this book. And I realized, man, I got to up my game here. Like I realized, you know, even myself falling short. It's been a wonderful season since then. When we taught on prayer, after that, we launched our corporate prayer time. We've been introduced to resources like this. Um, I learned so much, even on my sabbatical, and as I journey with um, a spiritual director right now. Like, I can say that I'm in a better place than I was back then, because it's easy even for preachers to just go, well, I mean, of course I'm praying. You know, I've got Sunday coming up. I meet with people. We pray with them. But this thing of me and the Lord shutting the door, before I do anything else in the day, well, I've got a long list to do. This is what Jesus is putting his finger on. And friends, we are in good company. You know, after this lesson, the disciples fell asleep in a prayer meeting in Jesus' darkest times, okay? But it's incredible. They didn't ask Jesus, how do you walk on water? How do you calm a storm? All these miracles, how do you feed thousands with just a little? They didn't ask because they knew that behind these incredible things the Lord was done. Of course, he was God, okay? Everybody here agrees. But he also spent time with the Father that the power in his life was definitely connected to those moments in prayer. And that's why they said, Lord, teach us. Teach us how to pray. They saw the connection between Jesus' devotional life and these miracles that they were seeing. And so Jesus' lesson outlines priorities and patterns. Again, he's not saying pray these exact words. Okay, It's good to pray these words because if you are pulling principles and uh, patterns out of it. It's nice to know how it goes, but it's Jesus is not saying this is if you do not say it like this or pray it like this, it's not going to work. Okay, no, no, no. He was he was teaching them the priorities. What what how what 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 are the elements of of a good time of praying with the Lord? And you know, you, many people have taught on it. Um, I'm actually not going to do that. This is the bit where I want to introduce this resource. Uh, maybe. Uh, uh, don't play the video. Can you show the slide after the video? This is um, what we are going to be doing as a church. Over the next eight weeks or maybe a little longer, depending on your community group, when they want to launch it. But in our community groups. So number one, if you're not in a community group, hey, join one. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on this amazing course, this video course. Um, it's with Pete Gregg. He's on, uh, he's on the right there. And he's going to journey through the Lord's Prayer. That's why I'm not going to rehash that. There's, there's gold in there that you won't hear or get today. And uh, it'll be eight weeks long, and your community group will decide how they want to roll that out. 
He also wrote this book, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. This I read on my sabbatical twice last year as I did, when I did some solitary retreats. I had some time, and this honestly changed my individual, personal, devotional time. So I can highly recommend this. I know some community group leaders have already grabbed it, but you can, you can do it with or without the book. You don't need the book, but it's a great resource to have as well. I think it's going to be so good for our church. So uh, do prioritize community groups. Um, there's a lot of interaction, practical application as well. And Pete actually pulls out five uh, points, P-R-A-Y, four, sorry, four points, uh, under the term pray. You saw there was a, the word pray on a shelf over there. And so he takes the Lord's Prayer and he cuts it up into these four things of pausing, of um, uh, rejoicing, of um, asking, and then yielding. I think those are the f five steps. Um, you know, if I look at the Lord's Prayer, you know, I can break it up into adoration, uh, confession, um, petition, submission. You know, there are so many ways to take the Lord's Prayer, and and so, and so I'm not gonna, I'm not going to do that. That's what this eight-week course is for us. It will do you much good. I just want to pull out two big things uh, that you know I see in Jesus teaching us how to pray. Number one is the obvious one: how he starts off his prayer with our Father. I, I, first of all, I love the fact that he says, our Father. And so although he's asking his disciples to actually say, hey, don't show off your prayer. Make sure you spend time with the Lord. Even Jesus himself prayed with people, prayed in front of people. After we taught on prayer a few years ago, we launched our corporate prayer time. Actually, I forgot to put that picture up of our last corporate prayer time. It was so great. We, you know, The waypoint was full. Just a, a, a powerful time of prayer because Jesus talked about prayer being communal. If he starts off with our Father, not your, my Father, it isn't an individual thing. So what God does with you in your closet spills over into your community. But the fact that he's our Father speaks of there's this relationship, this a relationship that we have with God, our Father. We come to him as our dad. Yes, he's the king of the universe. Yes, he is holy and majestic and almighty, but he's our Father. And Jesus introduced that to his followers. It wasn't the norm to necessarily refer to God as Father, but he, it was one of his favorite terms, his titles for God was Father. And he's inviting us into that. He made a way for you and I to be sons and daughters, adopted and born again, however you want to say it. And even if you look at the recorded prayers of Paul the Apostle, go check them out. He, what he asks most frequently of, of the people that he is writing to or the people that he is praying for, Go check it out. It's always to know God better. He doesn't necessarily major on the things, the needs that they may have. Get them out of this sticky situation. Now, he, what he majors on, the flavor of his prayers, are all about relationship, to know God better. In his mind, prayer is not a way to get things from God. It's a way to get more of God himself. That's what Paul wanted for his People. And this is what Jesus wants for us, that we come to a father, that we know him as our dad. His favorite title, because it's foundational. Again, it's not about a prayer to recite, but it's about relating, not reciting. Because we could think that our prayer time even could be earning. Like, I come to pray so that when I'm done, actually I feel more like a child and God feels more like a father. No. Before you even get into your prayer, you address him as your father. That's why Jesus says, don't be like the Gentiles. They use many words 
because they think that by using fancy words and lots of them, that God would hear them as a result. That's not a father-son relationship, father-daughter relationship. That's a transactional thing. That's like, if I do this, then you would do that. If I impress you with my words, it's like our children, when they come up to with our drawings, you know, they're like, they're just trying to impress us. Have you ever seen the drawing of a two-year-old, of a three-year-old? They aren't here right now, so I can just say it. Close baby's ears. They suck. All right? And maybe you think your child is a prodigy and they should be. I'm telling you now, it's probably not that good. But what does a parent do? They don't go, oh, this is ridiculous. Go back and try again. You go down to their level and like, oh, my baby, oh, my boy, this is incredible. It's a, it's a, uh, it's an apple, right? It's incredible. It's so beautiful. It's the best apple I've ever seen. Because they think they're not trying to impress you. Not on the basis of their drawing, would you love and appreciate and pour out affection and affirmation on them? It's the same when you come to your father. Gentiles are like, oh, no, no, I've got to draw a pretty picture. I've got to use fancy words. Thou wast Lord up in the heavens. Thine will must be done. Thine glory must be brought about by mine life. I don't know if people really talk like that. But, but you know, maybe you throw in all these theological terms. You know, oh, Lord, you are so sovereign. And, you know, your hypostatic union in the Son of Jesus Christ is just... He's like, hey, let's hang. Because he's a father. He's a loving father. Jesus paid the price for us so that we could be adopted into his family. John chapter 1 verse 12 to 13 says that we have been given the right to be called children of God. Because Jesus made a way for us. So number one is that relationship. And you know whether you get this or not. When God does not answer your prayer, that's, that's how you know whether this, this reality that he's your dad, he's your father, is truly at the center of your relationship. It's truly foundational to your prayer life. Because when God does not answer your prayer and he's, you, you don't relate to him as a father, you probably will get a little upset, a little angry. So there's a coldness towards God because you're thinking, hey, I'm praying every day. Hey, I'm living a good life. Like I'm, I'm choosing to do things your way, and I'm just asking you for this, and, and it hasn't come. Like, and you're describing your relationship with the Father as a transaction. Like I do this, therefore you should do that. That's not a father-son and a father-daughter relationship. So when you find yourself getting angry because your prayers aren't being answered, kind of growing cold towards God, he's not answering my prayers. I mean, all of all I've done, to all I'm doing. Does he know who I am? Like, that, that's, that's not a father relationship, father-son and father-daughter relationship. Perhaps you are anxious. So, yeah, you might be, like, on your high horse, like, you're thinking, I'm nailing this Christian thing. I should get answers to my prayers. Or you might be anxious and concerned, cold on the one side or proud, anxious and concerned on the other side. Like, oh, I don't think I'm doing it right. I think I need to try harder. Okay, let, let me read two chapters a day. I'll read two chapters a day. All right, I'll give more money and, and because I think that's what it's going to take for this prayer to be answered. So when we come to pray, to, if he's truly a father, there's actually a lot of adoration. There's a lot of repenting because you know, oh, it's not going to push me away from the Lord. The Lord's going to fix me. Like, I know, Lord, I said that. I shouldn't have. I'm so sorry. It broke your heart. I broke their heart. Please forgive me. There's, just, there's this beautiful relationship that you have with the Lord. 
That's what God wants you to come into. And if you are anxious, because like, oh, I think I need, to, I need to be a better Christian, because I'm not seeing prayers answered. Or if you're angry, like, I, I, I deserve prayers answered. Like, I'm, I'm nailing. You've got to re-look re, re at your relationship with the Lord. Because you've got to be able to say, our Father, our Father, I'm coming to you as a dad. So that's a big, not big one. It's foundational. It has to be at the bottom. Everything flows from there. And number two, rewarding. It's amazing that Jesus says that when we do this, the Father sees us in secret. And it says we receive a reward. If you, if you, know, if you show off your prayers, again, if you, if you try and earn God's answers by feeding off the praise and the acclamation of others like the Gentiles do, that you don't want, you don't want to do that. Um, your reward, it says, is in full. Actually, if people go, oh, wow, that's, that was very pious of you, that's it. But when you, when you spend time with the Lord, just you and God, and you don't boast about it, you don't show off, and he says that he meets us there. It's like the audience of one that's most important. His opinion of you is the most important and would be the sustaining one, the one that you need in, into the rest of your day. He rewards you with his presence. He sees you, he says, even though you're doing this in secret. It's not a secret to him. And it's from that private place that we live out our lives. Matthew 6, he started off by saying, don't be like the hypocrites, because the hypocrites are all about their public persona. But Jesus is saying there's a private life missing. They're putting on a show, but it's not the real them. And actually, it, what God does with you in, your pri in the private space with him spills over into the public, and it is the real you. It's, it's not, you're not being a hypocrite, because God does amazing things when we are with him. I mean, number one is when you, you know, when I sit down often, usually it's at my desk. I sit down, Waypoint isn't open yet, and I open up my little guideline, my Seeing Jesus Together journal, and then often I just go, oh, Lord, I'm so shallow. I have nothing. I've got nothing to say. I don't even know what I'm feeling. I'm try like, I'm just so confronted with my desperate need for the Lord. Sometimes it's just because I made time just to sit still and just go, gee, I actually am pretty lame. Like, I, I, I need you, Lord. I, I need you. And because he's my dad, he doesn't go, oh, well, get out there and try again. He comes close to me. I remember a friend of me, actually not a friend. Let me just say, this is my beautiful wife. She, she asked me once, like, when you think about the father, God's done some really amazing work in my life. My, all my daddy issues this, this year he's dealt with. But she asked me, she says, when you think of your father, the heavenly father, is he like in front of you like there? Or she came right up to me, she said, oh, is he like this? Is he here? Is he right here? And you know, that was nice. Eh? And you know, <laughs> I had to say to her, look, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. I love theology. I know the truth about God. But, but to be honest, like, yeah, God is he's here. He's, he's not far away. He's right here. But I realized God wants to be here. Because she said to me, because I'm his favorite, she said, because when I think of the Father, he's right here. He's right here by me. And I was like, okay, I want that. That's what God, you know, I've made, I'm, I'm the one. God is like, hey, I'm here. So he's done that work in me, in my private place. Where, where I find myself empty, I, I feel the Lord draw near to me. And it actually leads to incredible self-knowledge that is impossible to often achieve in other ways. Like what God says to us in a quiet place, sometimes, I mean, he, he cuts through 
so much that's in the way often when if we we trying to like you know exegete one another you know mind the depths out of each other's hearts sort of in person actually there's moments where the holy spirit just gets right in there and he uses his word because his word is like a double-edged sword it's able to do surgery and so when we apply some of this what jesus is teaching us here some of these priorities sort of these these patterns in the private place you know it's amazing we praise and we thank god we start off by saying hallowed be your name we praise his name. And when we do that in private, we find ourselves in public being more positive and more cheerful. Because we practice it in secret with the Lord. We put that deep in us. And when we're out there, people are like, hey, you're, you're often very positive and happy. What's going on? And you might not even be able to articulate it, but maybe, maybe it's because in your quiet time, you're just thankful. Thankful for your salvation. Thankful for God's provision. When you confess your sins, as he says, forgive us our debts today. You confess it before the Lord. Don't be surprised that as you find yourself, that's why we do confession on a Sunday. It's because we're trying to teach holy habits as a discipleship tool to regularly ask the Lord for forgiveness. Don't be surprised that if in public you find people start saying, you know, he's quite a humble person. Like I, I realize you don't defend yourself often. You take, you take the responsibility. You admit when you're wrong. W where does that begin? In private with the Father, as you admit your wrongs, as you ask God for daily bread, as you say, Lord, provide for me today, people go, why are you so carefree in a sense? You're not anxious. You're not worried about stuff. Well, because you found yourself in private asking for the Lord to give you your daily bread. You've trusted Him with that. And of course, when you spend time in daily bread, I want people to say, hey, you look like and you act like you love God. And when people love someone, they hang out. And when you find yourself spending time with the Lord in secret, don't be surprised when people go, what is up? Something's different. Or you just so, it's so easy for you to talk about your affection of the Father, your love for Jesus. Because you kick your day off like that. And there is an invitation for a daily connection here, friends. Jesus says, pray like this, give us this day, this day, our daily bread. I know some of you are incredibly efficient, and you pride yourself on that. You are the Monday night, let's sit down, crack open the calendar, plan all the meals out. You are the person who has your shopping list and all the ingredients that you need. You buy it ahead of time. You cook in bulk, and you freeze everything, right? You, get, you, you plan ahead. Friends, we don't do that with our quiet times. You don't like, you know, spend a Sunday, go to church, binge, listen, three sermons. I don't know what else you do. And then you go, all right, I'm good for a week. No, that's, that's not how a relationship works with me and my wife. I can't say to her, all right, Sunday, baby, we're going to have a, like a chat. We're going to hang out, you know. But then uh, I'll see you next weekend. <laughs> it's not going to work. There's an invitation here. Of course, yeah, it's around provision. God wants to give you daily bread. But he wants you to be with him, to ask him for that daily bread. He wants you to bring this day to him. What about tomorrow? Well, you bring it that day. But you bring him, you meet with him today, this day. So yeah, we're not going to look at some of those outlines. We're going to let the community group uh, context deal with it. You know, I said adoration, confession, petition, submission. You can find them in there. It's a great 
way to journey as you talk with the Lord, as you open up the scriptures. But in conclusion, you know, I said already last time we spoke on prayer, we launched our corporate prayer time. So I was thinking, all right, what's going to happen this time? <laughs> Apart from the fact that we are going through that community group curriculum. But I was thinking, you know, in the Christian tradition over the Easter time, fasting is a, you know, it's been, it's been done over the centuries. And fasting and praying, even though this is not a teaching on fast, it probably needs one. Maybe we'll get there. Um, but I thought, how about we fast the week before Easter? The Friday, Friday morning, we'll have a service, coffee, hot cross buns with salted butter on. Yes. And so we can break our fast with a little nibble afterwards, okay? But how about we commit as a church to fast? Either we fast the whole week, Monday to you know, Friday morning, maybe just some of the days. Maybe you say, look, I'm just able to do it you know, this day or that day. Um, or maybe just one. Maybe it's the, the day before. But we want to invite you. We'll give you a bit more details, but I thought that would be a great next step. You know, and I was talking about fasting with Travis, my youngest son, uh, um, especially when you know, Ramadan has just kicked off and uh, you know, Muslims in our community have started their sort of sunset to sunrise uh, fasting. So you know, I had some questions about that. Christians, how do we fast? Why do we fast? And uh, I was explaining to him, just in, again, in, my princ- in the principle of me and my love for him as a son. I'm his dad, he's my son, and uh, I said to him, you know, it's kind of like, at that moment, we were sitting on the bed, I think we had just watched an episode of Mandalorian, I don't know, but I said to him, it's like, when, when we hang out like this, like, you, you know, daddy's training for an ultra marathon, and there are times when I have to be running for a long time, like an hour, an hour and a half, it's, a, it's best to squeeze it in early in the mornings, but it's pretty cold right now, so you can't do it, so I have to like, find out those crazy moments where there's a bit of sunshine. I might run home tonight if the sun is still out at seven. But I said to him, it's like, it's like those moments where I'm like, no, you know what? I'm going to spend time with you instead of running. It wouldn't work if I'm like, hey, I'm, just, I'm not going to run, and then I do something else. You know, I have a nap. It only works if, if I say, no, I'm going to substitute my running with hanging out with you. We're going to do something together. The, I said, and that's what fasting is like. We don't fast so that if we do, God would love us. Because we love him so much, we're thinking, you know, what is a way that I can spend more time with the Lord? I know I eat three times a day, some of us. And I, I'm going to give up that meal, but not just walk around going, oh, I'm so hungry, this day sucks. But actually, instead of eating, I'm going to spend time with the Lord. The time I would have spent eating, I'm going to spend praying. I'm going to spend reading because I, I want more time with the Lord. I'm creating more opportunities for me. Yeah, in mornings I, want, I hang out with the Lord, but in addition to that, I'm going to not eat. And, and sometimes it's because there's a real request. Sometimes it's like, Lord, we want to see you break through in our community. Lord, there's something I want you to do in our family, and I, I want to spend some persistent prayer. And, I'm, I, and it's hard sometimes to pray persistently. So this is an easy way. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to go onto social media. I'm going to fast Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Help me out here. Facebook. Yes, the Facebooks. Um, all of the, I mean, it, again, because it eats so much, it just, friends, I think social media fasting in our day means more than food fasting, to be, to be quite frank with you. I mean, I can't remember. What was it last night? 
Tanya went out with, to be with a friend, and I was tired. I was going to go to bed. And I texted her and said, listen, if you come, to, come home, I might be in bed. I didn't tell her. But when she came home, she's like, oh, you're still awake. And I said, yeah, I'm just chilling. You know what I did? I was death scrolling. It was like 45 minutes. I know I'm embarrassed to say, love. I should have just, ah, she's so disappointed in me. Oh. Because I don't take 45 minutes to eat. But sometimes 45 minutes go by. And so I want to encourage you. Maybe, you, maybe, maybe it is food. But, but perhaps it's technology. Maybe it's social media. Something that you know, if I give this up, I'm going to get a good chunk of time with Jesus. That's, that's the point. So can I make that a next step? We'll remind you next week. Maybe we'll put some stuff out onto social media this week to help you uh, prepare for that week where we're going to go dark. All right. We're going to go dark on that week before Easter. All right. It's going to just be nothing. But, but I want to I encourage you. Let's take this prayer thing. Maybe it is you saying, Lord, I'm going to jumpstart my prayer life. And I'm going to do it by fasting intentionally. Like, I want to get to a place where, yeah, there's regular mornings where I spend time with you, where I do what Jesus did. I open up your word, and I, I come to my Father. I'm going to jumpstart it with a fast, where there's going to be two or three times in a day where I'm going to develop this discipline. Is that okay? Okay. I mean, that's all. That's the only handles I've got for you. I'm excited about this. This is what it means to be a disciple. Read your Bible and pray every day and you will... Courtney, unplug your ears. Naughty Courtney. Courtney's going to shrink, shrink, shrink. No. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for encouraging us to come to our Father. Jesus, you made a way for us to be with our dad, with be, to be with our father. And Lord, we want to be with you because of your love for us. You've given us the rights to be your children through the work of Jesus. And so we want to come and rest in your presence. As we pray, we declare you are sovereign. You make things happen. We stop in faith. We spend time with we, you. We read your word because we declare in that moment that you are the one that makes the world go round. You're the one that orchestrates our lives. You're the one that's leading us into your best. So we want to be people that pray in deep dependency upon our Father. Would you give us a hunger for your presence? Lord, help us to face the fact that when we come to you on our knees, that yes, we are sometimes so empty, we've grown used to our emptiness. And let us not walk away discouraged, but let us remain there for your Spirit to fill us up, for your Word to fill us up, to speak to us to journey with us, to bring us into a deeper relationship. Lord, we want to be like those recipients of Paul's letters that he prays for. He says, that I want you to know God more. I want you to know him better. We want to be a church that is known for knowing you. Teach us to pray. I ask in your name, Jesus.